When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from iLikeYou.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at iLikeYou.com. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hue virtual chat. And why am I so cheery? Well, it happens to be like three degrees outside, sunny, and the snow is melting, and it is only March 2nd. So my concern only is if March comes in like a lamb, will it leave like a lion? So fingers crossed, no huge snowstorms come the end of March. We want to enjoy what we can of great weather while we're still in lockdown. But even though we are going to get some more news by the end of this week and restrictions are loosening, the vaccine is being rolled out. And so things might be uh, looking good for us this summer. But anyways, talking about summer, summer and summer love, endless love. Does that still exist? Well, we're going to be chatting about that. So let's le- uh, open the doors to all of our lovely ladies that are going to be joining us today. And we're going to have a special guest too as well. Hi, Kirsten. Hey, hi, Susie. And I believe Joanna's joining us. I think. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. And there she is. Hi, Joanna. Welcome to the Hue Virtual Chat. You might be on uh, mute. So just unmute yourself. Charlotte, is uh, Charlotte going to join us, Kirsten? As far as I know. Okay. Hopefully, because she'll like this one. Yes. Thank you. So nice to meet you, Joanna. Oh, you're still on mute, I think. Can you hear me okay now? Yes, we can. Yay. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to get things started right away with Joanna. And thank you so much for coming. Uh, She's got a yes, very unique, I want to say. And uh, we want to hear more about it. It's called Endless Roses because we all love flowers. But, you know, roses are one of those things. Either they, you know, we're so happy if they last for a week. Mm -hmm. They only last for about three days. But anyways, let's, uh, you know, share your story about this endless roses. Sure. So endless roses are beautiful uh, preserved floral arrangements. So right now we're focusing mostly on roses because like you said, it's the most finicky of the flowers is everybody loves it. Uh, It calls for every occasion, but they only last a week. So um, basically uh, the preservation uh, process kind of substitutes the water. So instead of um, growing them with water, they're grown with the preservation solution, uh, which allows them to last between a year up to three years. And they don't require any any sunlight. 
um, and it is one of those processes that um, it can be um, done again with different types of flowers. So we are has started venturing with uh, sunflowers as well. And some of our arrangements include hydrangeas as well as moss. There's just no really end in sight of all the things that you can do. And yeah, it's the most important thing. It's they last for a really long time. And it's, you know, they kind of preserve onto their color as well as their shape. So uh, it's been very funny to see um, the people's expression saying like, oh, they're, they're paper. And I'm like, no, no, they're a hundred percent texture. You can bend the petals as a regular flower. Of, of course, we don't encourage that because <laughs> you want um, But yeah, they just, they look so real because in fact they are. So, and pretty great. <laughs> so how did you find this process and, and decide that, okay, we're going to do this? It's, it's wonderful. So, um, so yeah, so I was actually uh, a couple years ago, I was on a holiday vacation uh, with my family and I bumped into a store that was carrying um, preserved roses. So they weren't arranged in any particular way. They were just kind of, here's a rose, it came with a stem. Um, and I was like, this is magic that you speak of uh, because I myself have been a lover of roses and like, could recall like I've had everything from um, roses made out of metal and paper and silk and all types and uh, once I bumped into that store and I started doing more research and I found out it's uh, it's quite a new technology uh, mostly explored uh, in Asia and then it's uh, slowly moving throughout Europe and as well as um, North America and I personally hadn't encountered arrangements such as these in Winnipeg. And I was like, you know what, people, people need to see this. <laughs> so I started making my own and one that is very dear to me that uh, luckily has gone uh, very well in our kiosk has been our Endless Dome, which is uh, kind of our inspiration on the Enchanted Rose by Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Well, they look so beautiful. And, uh, mm. and so you do have the kiosk at the outlet mall, correct? Mm -hmm. yes. yes. And so how has business been going like through all of this kind of crazy pandemic and everything like that? Has it kind of been like, wow, this is the perfect gift to give somebody? Yeah, so funny you mentioned it because we were unfortunate enough to last year, we were wanting to be open for Mother's Day. Um, and unfortunately, I was able to do so. But um, we were lucky enough this year that we opened uh, right after lockdown on February 1st. And it's been a wild ride. The first two weeks, obviously, with Valentine's uh, right around the corner, we had customers that are like, this is amazing. And I'm like, great. Okay, that's why we're here for you. Yeah. Um, and we're hoping to do it all over again getting closer to Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. um, but no response from everybody and I'm thrilled to see how happy they are with the product and as excited about the type of product because that was another thing I wasn't quite sure how well it was gonna do, like how well the arrangements were gonna be presented. And it's it's beautiful to see like the little kids approach the kiosk and like, it's like, it's like Belle's Rose, it's like Belle's Rose, like Beauty and the Beast. So uh, but we're very glad to be lucky enough to have opened um, and we hope to 
keep it up until right now is when we'll be uh, closing seasonally. So it's been great. Yeah. Oh, well, that's so great to hear. Um, you know, hello, Robin. Uh, this is like something. Can you imagine a rose that will last for three years? It's true. And they're beautiful. Uh, you know, I might get Josh just to show uh, some more pictures again. The, they're they're incredible. And uh, oh, there. Thank you, Joanna. You're welcome. Those are amazing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and they just like regular regular roses. You know, you uh, like I said, we don't really encourage this, but like they have texture. Uh, a lot of people have gotten them confused with uh, dry flowers, which are very different from preserved roses, uh, because unlike dry uh, flowers, they don't brittle. So like they still hold their tail, um, kind of move them around. And you don't have to water them. You don't have to water them. You don't have to water them, and then you do not have to expose them to sunlight. So that no, as we like to joke around, no green thumb required. We're <laughs> you don't do anything but to love them. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. I was just laughing. I was wondering. Hey, so with that uh, uh, preservation stuff that you use on the flowers, like, can you use it on us too? <laughs> Oh, I wish I, I would like, trust me, the second I know I will embody <laughs> such that's a whole other business, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Can you imagine? Ladies, we didn't have, yeah, no watering required, right? <laughs> no, no toxins, nothing, nothing. We're all good. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's hysterical. That's awesome. Uh, does anybody have any questions for Joanna? Yeah, Kirsten? I'm, my head's going because I have a daughter who just got engaged. Um, have you have you crossed over into that wedding party bouquet end of things? Yeah, that's got to be a, a huge a, a huge draw for lots of people where the bouquet doesn't end that day. It it lasts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is where we're hoping to venture next. Uh, we are kind of um, trying things out uh, as we like as we tested the response. We're we're working on bouquets. We're working on centerpieces next because we definitely would like to uh, join that venture for that very reason. Like as you mentioned, there everyone wants to keep their bouquet, and I personally um, would love to just have a gigantic centerpiece waiting in my living room every single day. Um, but yeah, we are definitely uh, looking into it, and we hope to be able to um, be part of it for the summer season because um, we've had to fast track a little bit, but yes, we are definitely in there next. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, Susie, did you want to ask anything? No? Oh. I have to find my mute button first. No, I love the idea. I've heard of it. Uh, I'm sure I've seen it on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I mean, I love that uh, this type of option is sustainable and um, gives, you know, especially in this day and age when you might not be able to enjoy fresh flowers all the time, it might be nice to have this version. So yeah, very cool. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so speaking of like, I love the name Endless Roses. So it got me thinking about talking about endless love. So yeah, unfortunately, I was listening to uh, some soundtrack or whatever, and the song came up, Endless Love, Lionel Richie and Diane Ross. Yeah. And then it was, and Joanna was coming in about this. And oh, great timing, Linda. Um, uh, endless Love. What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, you know, you asked us, or, if, you know, for some of us, you know, in the 90s yeah. and 80s, Endless Love was, I mean, that was the whole 
I don't, yeah. Or everlasting love. Does that still ring true? Robin. <laughs> oh, um, like you're probably talking to the wrong person. Um, I don't think so. I like, like, I think, gosh, um, yeah, I'm not often stumped, right? <laughs> I, uh, I've had an interesting, uh, like, experience with love over my um, lifetime. I think there's people I'm no longer dating that I still adore and love, and I think I will love them forever. Um, and I think, I think it's it's a little crazy to think one person will be everything to us forever I think for me um I I think I can um yeah I'm, I'm just trying to think of how to describe it I really am a bit stuck I I think like I completely love someone right now and can see that I could love them forever and um I don't know what that looks like I think it may morph over time into a whole range of things. Um, I think people are a little more fluid these days about whether they're like staying with one person or not. I, I don't know. God, you got me on the spot there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, we're just usually talking about doom and gloom and everything like that. But no, I, and, you know, and we're having more ladies join in. I love it. Hi, Jenny. Love to see you. Good to see you too. Uh, Linda, I think is around. I mean, she kind of shifts on my screen. Um, so we'll get her into the conversation. But Joanna here has a has a new product called Endless Well, it's not a product. It's great. It's flowers. It's called Endless Roses. And there, there she is. Thank you, Joanna. You'll just be that model that brings them. Yes. I mean, I would love to send a bouquet to each and every one of you because they're spectacular. Like they are, they're just so beautiful and the colors are amazing. But these roses last for three years. So the yeah. conversation is talking about endless love and what that means. I, I personally, like, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, my parents are turning uh, 42, like they're celebrating their 42nd anniversary oh, wow. on Wednesday and they've been together for 48 years. Wow. So I feel like said, I, I don't quite believe it's just the one person, but like love has has had like definitely has a broader uh, meaning nowadays so I feel it's more friendship than love like this the base you know Bridgerton has told us but it is like, the foundation of everything and I feel that's what I feel it is like friends are love and, and it kind of romantic love has kind of been left behind a little bit mm -hmm. but that foundation of friendship and love it just it grows and it grows and and that's how it becomes endless so even if it shifts and changes it's still you know when you think about that person you get that reaction or just that that good feeling that good feeling oh i know well and and i mean everybody well kirsten susie jenny Oh, I, I guess I'm in that group too. I mean, we all have our significant others that we and our marriages are very long too as well. Are we endlessly in love? 
that's a really tough question during this pandemic, isn't it? Because it's like, <laughs> we're not supposed to be seeing each other this often. So um, yeah, endless, uh, I think endless has um, different connotations during a pandemic. <laughs> I realize that, you know, sometimes proximity and nearness sometimes you just need some space and you need to breathe, right? So uh, it's been interesting to, um, like you said, Tracy, to be living through this pandemic and uh, to be, you know, in uh, in a tight space with your family. And it's just like, wow, we're not meant to be together for this much time. <laughs> and that's when running can really, you know, save your life and your sanity when you get to go out and do stuff by yourself or even grow up and become fun. Uh, yeah. But you know, the thing about, uh, my husband and I talk about this all the time because we're always talking to the kids about um, like modeling good relationships and good emotional health and boundaries and all those things. And um, the thing about, you know, falling in love and staying in love, falling in love is easy. It's the staying part that can be challenging, right? So it's really, it's really um, I think, fundamental to understand. And uh, one of my Facebook friends brought this up around Valentine's Day. She's a single lady. She loves being single. She's not interested in a partner because she's found that men just are not interested in her because she's too opinionated, she says. She's too, she's too happy with herself, basically, okay? And so I talked to her, you know, we were messaging back and forth and I said, you know what? We really need to raise women especially, but kids to understand that relationships and falling in love and all that stuff is great, but you'll never be happy in a relationship unless you're happy with yourself. It's the number one relationship that you have to be okay with and be good with before any kind of partner can come along. And, you know, Tracy, you can, you can talk about this. When you've been with someone for so long, you grow, right? You're not the same person you were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So it's about growing together and giving each other the space to grow together and to discover new things and maybe to discover things that you don't want to do anymore, you know, and that you want to try new things. And I think that it's that freedom to be yourself, whatever version of yourself that might be, that really is uh, the foundation of sustaining love and relationships. And, you know, whether that's platonic love or romantic love, whatever for that means love and the phases of love shift and change and you know depending on what stage of life you're in and it's all about you know maintaining that happiness and that contentment within I think and then bring that to the outside world into your outside relationships that's my two cents <laughs> and lots of silent applause <laughs> thank you uh, so did you write that Susie or your husband <laughs> No, it's not. It's, I think I think I definitely talk more than he does. And he just kind of sits there and nods at me. But no, no, he he and I both agree, you know, and especially even for, um, you know, we have two boys and a girl, but I really want the boys to understand too, that it's not your girlfriend's job or your partner's job to make you happy. You have to be happy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's about working together and really that that friendship at the basis of your love and the foundation of your love is so important. Because as you've seen through this last year, that's the stuff that will carry you through, right? That's that's the the caring part, the nurturing part, the icky day-to-day -day part that really, when you let somebody that you love see you at your most vulnerable and at your worst sometimes, that's the staying power of love, right? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no, it's uh that is that is life. Yes, no welcome, Rana. Well, maybe I'll go to, oh, no, that, that wouldn't be fair. No, I, you know, you, you let this sit and simmer. So yeah, 
Well, I'm going to go to Jenny, though. I mean, for you, too. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the trials and tribulations of pandemic and being, yeah, a little bit too much time together. <laughs> you know what? I agree, Tracy. And, and I want to add to what um, what Susie was saying in terms of, you know, if you start off as being friends, which is what my husband and I did, we started off as being friends and then we started dating and then it just naturally progressed. And I know during the pandemic, I know we drive each other crazy. There's a meme with, um, oh, sorry, the actor, um, it's going to it's gonna drive me crazy where it says, I can hear you chewing from over here. Right. And so the little the little habits um, can drive each other crazy. But at the same time, he makes me laugh. I make him laugh and we can share our time together. And so, yeah, there's times when, you know, we'll blow up at each other and I go to the basement or he does. And 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 then but then we come together and then it's OK. Um, but I also want to add something that what Susie said is very important. You have to love yourself first. Mm -hmm. You know, what's wrong with with buying flowers for yourself or what's wrong with sending flowers to you or, you know, and just for no reason at all, just because. <laughs> yeah. And um, there was an article in the Free Press this morning uh, by Jen Zerati that talked about uh, pandemic forces daters to choose shame or abstinence. Right. So it talks about, you know, um, in Bridget Jones's diary, the smug married you know, the ones that, well, we're married, we're together, we're in our own little bubble, you know, haha, you have to, you, you have to struggle and date. And, and even pre-pandemic, you know, dating, I mean, I, I always said that, you know, if, if something, God forbid, should happen to my husband and I had to start dating, I wouldn't <laughs> because it's like, you know what, maybe I just want to date myself and be by myself. So anyway, that's my two cents. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. Perfect. Rana, you're single. <laughs> just sorry, just throwing it out there, but throwing it out there. <laughs> Let the uh, world. Yeah. So dating. I mean, have you just done, or is it just sort no, of dating? No. No. No, I'm not done. I just I'm I'm um I'm a lot pickier than I once was. Um, I'm more cautious about people. I let take my energy. Um, I definitely don't prioritize. Um you know, anything but my family or myself or my niece. So, mm -hmm. um, so and, and that's not to say that I wouldn't if I felt different in a relationship. But I don't know, I'm just kind of like, eh, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But, it, you know, there's just people like, I feel like there's just a lot of expectation. You know what I mean? Like, I know that um, it's still one of the first questions anyone asks you. It's still, it's, it's like this kind of, I don't know, you're, you're kind of carrying this, this unfortunate burden, but um, it's not unfortunate. It sucks at times. Um, but I also haven't had to deal with, with all the drama that comes with it either, right? Like, um, you know, it's kind of been, um, it's tough for the part that, you know, you're like, oh, wow, like there's a part of my life that you want to be settled. And you know what I mean? Like you want to be in that, um, companionship type of role but then there's also this other part where there's a lot of freedom I mean I really do and go and say and be wherever I want to do and go and be and you know so so there's that part of it too um, but I think that people just need to kind of look internally to see what really fits them you know um, and then also I just want to add on um, you know, people, I think that that the pandemic gave me like a lot of months to think about why I've been so um 
so peculiar and so picky in what I viewed to be a bare minimum in a relationship. And I'm not saying that I haven't had less, I've made a lot of freaking mistakes, but I'm just saying it's because what I saw in my parents, right? Mm -hmm. Like my parents were the hold hands at 60 and, you know, match their clothes type of parents, right? Like they would always wear the same color shirts and hold hands on them. Like that's the type of parents I had, right? So for my world, my world- Oh my God, that's cute, Rana. Okay. (laughs) I used to go to Save Mattel um, and and they used to have like a little button with my face on it brown just don't ask (laughs) (laughs) they used to go to save hotel mall and um when my dad was still alive and they were just still walking and um there'd be people who'd be like listen like we see your face on this old couple like (laughs) are they related to you I'd be like yeah those my parents I don't know what's wrong with them um but yeah so I think just kind of going back five steps I think it's also just what you what you view to be a priority in relationships right um and then the last thing I'll say is like nobody could be everything to anyone basically you know I think if, if I've learned anything in life it's just like you know, not, nobody's perfect. What can you take out of people that can, out of one person and what can you get from somebody else? And not everything has to be romantic and sexual. There's so I've, I have great, amazing guy friends who I would jump in front of trains for. Like I, I love, like I deeply, deeply love, but at the same time, you know, not everyone can fill every role. So um, I don't know. I, that's my five cents on relationships, which I really know nothing about. <laughs> Now, Rana, have we ever talked about how my sister used to have a list before when she was single? So she wrote a list, like she basically like a manifest list, okay, of all the traits and qualities that she wanted her future husband to have. Because she was saying the same thing. I'm too picky, aren't you? And I'm like, no, you're not. I'm like, you're not too picky. You have the right to be so picky about the person that you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with. Like if if we're going to be picky about anything, let's not make it hot dogs or burgers or pizza. Let's make it the person we're going to spend our life with, right? So she was like, like you, she kissed a lot of frogs and she was just like, you know what? I'm done. She's like, I don't want to date anymore. And this is before even online dating was really, you know, huge. But I'm going to make this list, she said. So she had like 30 traits and qualities that she wanted this person to have and she's like do you think I should shorten it do you think I should take anything out and I'm like no I'm like do you really believe that you want this person to have all these things and she said yes I said then don't settle I said it's what you want I said the universe you know will make it happen if it's meant to be and I said if nothing else I said you know exactly what you want do not deviate from what you what you've said you know long story short she meets my future brother-in-law And he had a couple of things that she would have normally, had she been on an online dating profile, scrolled past, okay? But because she met him in person and there was no pretense, there was no nothing, we're going, you know, through this relationship together because that's what sisters do. (laughs) And she says, I'm telling you, he checks off this entire list. And I'm just like, this is amazing. I'm like, you've manifested this amazing, lovely man. And uh, yeah, you know, like there's power to your words and there's power to your, uh, to your, your wish and your fulfillment and your, you know, prayers to the universe, whatever that might be. So don't settle. You're not picky. You're amazing. Yeah. I think I want to jump in too, because I was single for a long time and I had, I made a list in 2014 and I kept compromising this list and I'd be like, oh, you know, oh, I'm not worthy. I should just have that person. And it wasn't till 
like the last year, year and a half that I went, actually, no, I am worthy. I'm worthy of what I really want and I don't want to settle anymore. And so I was on dating websites last year and I was like, oh, my God, what is wrong? Like, is it me? <laughs> I was like, I'm done. I've had enough. I just don't need this shit anymore. And I was coming off all of them and some person sent me a message and I was like, oh, I don't even know if I want to have a look. And I had a look and it was like, this person has everything I ever wanted. And we have this, like, and more, and we have this amazing, we don't have to see each other all the time. Like, like I'm like, I'm bubbling with that person because, you know, we made an agreement about that, which has been pretty cool. I see them once or twice a week. It's lovely. I have space to do what else I need to do and it's not like oh my god we have to go everywhere together like, <laughs> everything to everyone and like it's just the sweetest sweetest thing to find who you are and to be able to trust that you're worthy of this amazing person and not have to settle and so my life is very joyous with this particular person in it and it's because I started to love me and trust that I deserved what I really was looking for so go for it Rana that like amazing person will (laughs) turn up when they turn up and the other thing is we're not in a conversation about we want to be together forever we're in a conversation about we want to be together in this moment because it's all we have. That's it. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I really don't um, like is the people who say, well, you know, once you work on yourself, you'll find that person. And it's just like, do you know how many freaks have boyfriends and girlfriends out there? (laughs) Right? It's just the worst thing you can say to people because everybody paired up is not perfect. Like there's there's no magical solution they just happen to find a lid for their pot like it's just come on like you everybody is a work in progress and to say that you know you need to work harder on yourself maybe you're perfect just the way you are in this moment and you need to find someone who's perfect just the way they are in that moment for you yeah or you or you find the crazy (laughs) well I kind of I kind of believe it kind of goes hand in hand with what Rana was saying before like you you do some uh, inspection, sort of speaking, go like, okay, these are the things that I, I want to accept into my life and I don't. So afterward, I don't think it's so much as the self, you know, work yourself is like, no, no. Okay. I need to decide what I want to let into my life and what I don't. So that kind of, once you have a better idea, it's okay. This is what I'm willing to spend my time on and not. <laughs> so. I wanted to touch on, um, sorry, Tracy, I just wanted to touch on something that Robin had mentioned and also Rana had mentioned. So first of all, uh, Robin, you talked about loving yourself first, which is very important. And then Rana, you talked about your parents doing things together, you know, always being together. What I wanted to mention is that when you are in a relationship, whether it's a long-term relationship or, you know, in the moment, as you say, you you have to be careful that you're not giving all of yourself to that other person. Um, And I I just want to mention that um, my husband's 
a family member of my husband's, his partner passed away and they did everything together. And when she was gone, he was devastated. And he's like, um, basically my life is over because everything I had was, was in that person. And, and it took him a long, long time to really kind of start coming out of his shell. And my husband and I were talking about this one day and, and he said something, I said, Oh, you know, um, if I'm gone, I said, you won't be as devastated. And he said, well, no, actually I will be, but I have a network of really good friends and family that will help me get through it. And so it's important that you don't give, you don't make that, the partner of yours, everything and, and everything, everything and all. It, you have to find that balance that you have your interests, that you have your shared things together for sure, but that you have your own life, you have your own interests and friends and groups and everything so that if something happens, you've got your network that you can rely on. And so I just wanted to share that it's so important that you make space for you um, yeah. first. Yeah. And that, and that when you come together, you're, you're so much better for each other, right? Because you have these outside interests and outside, you know, um, things that you're both passionate about for sure. For sure. Yeah. So I'm going to bring Linda. Nice to see you, Linda. You had a bit of a computer problem. <laughs> I don't know what was happening, but I'm here now. Yes. Yes. And I'm I love the hair. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I know. Yes. Completely different. Loving it. Um, but so, yeah, and I'm just going to ask you, so, yes. because all of these things are so good now, is it because we've actually now, and we've always had a voice, but I'm just saying that, you know, even through these talks, really, I have become more vocal or, you know, thinking about myself. Thank you, Robin. But, <laughs> but, um, but I feel that right. Like, you know, the, the pandemic, yes. And everything like that has sort of brought people together, but I think women on a whole though, have really had a, a good chance to kind of take a look at themselves too, as well. Absolutely. And uh, this is an interesting topic. I, I loved everyone's different points of view. I think I was kind of hearing when I was popping on Joanna, you were talking about, uh, the importance of platonic friendships and also, you know, loving yourself, loving the person you're with, looking for love. And I caught that this was about endless love. And I want to throw a different, uh, a different thought in there. For me, endless love right now is, and this is gonna go a little dark, but it's, it's communicating with the people that have passed. Mm. And I find that um, it is, it is something that I didn't expect would be so important to my life that the people who passed before me, my father, um, friends, that they, that relationship, that love does not go anywhere, that we still have strong, beautiful relationships filled with love for people who are not here in on this earth. And it's, um, it's something that I am thinking about a lot. I have a friend who is um, uh, nearing the end of her life and going through cancer treatments. And uh, so thinking about friendship and the endless, endless source of support and 
witnessing of our lives. I, when I think of love and endless love, I think of the people in our lives, like Susie, you were saying, like your sister, like you're going through that relationship with your sister, you know, those are the people who are witnessing our lives. And I think our significant others play that role so well is that they're a witness to our growth. They're a witness to our struggles, our hopes, our dreams, our failures. They see it all. And that's a very special relationship to have with anyone, whether it's a friend, a sister, a brother, a partner, a parent. Um, that, that, uh, that's an incredible gift, no matter, no matter who it is in your life. And I remember, does anyone know the, um, the writer Isabella Allende? Um, she, in one of her, she's, I've written, I think a couple of autobiographies. She said that the love of her life was her mother, that that was the most significant relationship she had. And she had, and she is a very, like, she's a very flamboyant uh, past. She had lots of lovers and husbands and, but her most significant love was for her mother. And I always, that always reminded me when, you know, when we're talking about love, that there are so many forms that it can take that, that uh, enrich our lives. So that's, that's my, uh, that's my, that's what I'm thinking about when I'm listening to everyone talk and share, you know, there's, there's so many different uh, ways that love, love helps us, you know, and, uh, but I, I really do like to think of it as the people that we allow to witness us in our complete humanness. Uh, those are the most amazing relationships. Okay, so now we've talked about love. <laughs> we've seen the beautiful roses. Um, okay, so I and I really, uh, I don't even know how to bring this up. And, and it is maybe a, a segue, spreading the love, because that's what we need to do more so than ever getting out of maybe the romantic kind of love, but love for human beings. Um, and nice kind of uh, reference to Robin's new series on Hewitt Home. Let's get our human back on more so than ever. Uh, Susie, help me here because I just saw it on social media, maybe Jenny too and Linda too. There was a, a document issued by the government yesterday I just saw on um, recognizing or the facts have been out now that uh, the indigenous and marginalized communities and the BIPOC communities have been, you know, obviously slammed. Slammed is not the right word, but the numbers indicate that they are much higher in those communities for COVID for being exposed to, as opposed to the white community. And I, you know, I, I saw this and I, and I just kind of read it very quickly and then got into a conversation with my husband and it was turned kind of like, well, and I just wanted to get the facts straight on what it was. And it sounded like, you know, they just had released this information that a lot of people thought that it should have been released a lot sooner than right now. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know about the timing of the release, but basically the um, the information within said that um, BIPOC communities are at higher risk for COVID simply because of a lot of their living conditions. So they perhaps live in closer quarters and don't have as much space to isolate if someone is ex exhibiting symptoms in their home and things like that. Um, and Rana, I'm sure can speak to um, her, uh, her friends in the Indigenous community who have definitely experienced that. And um, yeah, it, it's definitely challenging, especially when you have also multi-generational families living in homes, which is very um, traditional in a lot of those communities. So I think that um, uh, they're, they're looking at ways that they, I think they're looking back in terms of how they could have done a better job, but now looking forward, they're also going to be looking at ways and how they can communicate these, um, these findings uh, and translate that into action that can help um, marginalized families and racialized people to help them understand what steps they need to take to keep them and their family safe. And they also, I believe part of that uh, findings was that they often work in lower paying jobs that don't offer sick paid sick time um, or maybe work more than one job, which may you know, expose them in multiple areas of, uh, of work. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of issues there for sure that, um, that perhaps were not necessarily thought of at the beginning, yeah. No, Rana, you have your hand up. The whole, the whole thing is just a joke. <laughs> the conversation about the, the effect of COVID on marginalized and people of color, whether it's indigenous or any people, person of color, has been worldwide. So you'll remember that I did a panel on the feminist forum a week ago. This is exactly what we were talking about, was the um, unequal effects of COVID on different groups of people, which, I, which essentially has shone a light on discrepancies and, 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 and the inequality that we have been putting band-aids on for generations and generations and generations. And it has now become very evident during a crisis because you could no longer hide it. So yes, as Susie has said, it is absolutely not only housing is like one teeny tiny little piece of it. We're talking about people who are low, who are um, working in jobs in very precarious situations, uh, whether they be nurses or predominantly women of color on the bottom end, um, and then their white management. That's, you know, we call it, there's a, there's a name for that, right? Management's all on top, people at the ground, janitorial staff, uh, teachers who are working, um, um, which is basically, and I don't know about this report, I didn't even bother reading it because it was just such a joke. Um, but basically what we're talking about is the people who are coming in contact with COVID and how often they're coming in contact with COVID. So basically, if you really look at it and forget this report, which I really, again, I couldn't even, at this point, I mean, this should have come out like a year ago when everybody else in the world was talking about it. You know, I've been talking about this for six months now that there is a unequal, you know, effect of COVID on people. Um, so basically, yeah, so that so so it's not so much just COVID. I think that the truth of it is, if we really want to be re real, it is the fact that COVID simply just shone a light on equality that have always existed. And now we are seeing that very precarious situations um, are more, um, of, they're, they're just more in homes that are of people of color. Um, like Susie said, whether it's multi-generational multi or not, um, but if you want to talk about First Nations, um, <laughs> 
the first thing you tell people was wash your hands, wash your hands, social distancing and wear a mask. Two of those things are impossible, impossible in a First Nation. So the whole thing is just a joke. Um, and I love how governments and all these people come out and they have all these conversations to say, you know, have all the conversations you want, right? In my, in my world, have all the conversations you want. The fact of the matter is if your recovery, if your recovery, if your recovery plan is not addressing these issues, you're a joke. You're a country that is a joke, whether it's Canada, the States, Switzerland, New Zealand, who cares? You are a joke because you just take information and you pretend, you know, and nobody needs lip service right now. Like I said last time, when you're in a moment of crises, there's opportune moments right now to change how things go in the future. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's an incredible moment, right? Um, and then for people like me who are always on the front lines, kind of seeing the people, how this is happening, um, and then watching the information come out, it, you know, it's enraging to, to, to say the least, because it's like, yeah, you know, like you tweeted it out five times and everyone's talking about it, but this conversation is not new. Sorry. <laughs> this is not a new conversation. You know, there's healthcare workers who have been bitching about this for months, for months, you know? So, um, and then I think for Manitoba, they specifically talked about uh, the Filipino community. Yeah. Um, you know, and that has to do with healthcare. Um, and there's other um, factors as well. Uh, you know, people coming to Canada and not having their degrees recognized um, as quality degrees. So then they're always working lower jobs um, as immigrants, right? So there's a whole host of things about it. So it's not just a one-off. Um, if you want to talk to me about the, the report, it's probably just a joke. Um, I think that there's much more um, effective uh, research-based um, um, uh, reports across the world that are literally saying the exact same thing. So my two cents. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to be clear. But yeah, I found it kind of like same like you, Ron. I was just like, well, I mean, and you know what? It it does lang language does play a, a very important part in this. If we think this is almost a, a year ago now that this whole thing started, um, if in multiple languages, you know, if that there was, you know, that kind of even, I don't know, communication. I don't know if that would help, but I'm I'm pretty sure moving forward, you know, they're all those are some of the big things that they're going to have to look at changing. But you know, my uh, is, you're talking about systemic systemic yeah. issues. These are deeply systemic issues. A language change would yes be a very topical issue, but we're talking about why are people of color always at the bottom rung of every job opportunity that they get, that they always seem to be on the front lines when disaster strikes. What we're talking about is systemic issues. This is not a language change or something else. And I apologize for being so blunt about it, but I think that there's a lot of, you know, everyone kind of humming and hawing over the conversations. We need factual statements here. Th these are systemic issues. Why is a doctor from the Philippines not able to come to Canada with the qualifications and be a doctor rather than a nurse who's now getting paid as an RN rather than a, like, there's a whole system is set up for failure for those people. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, well, obviously it's not going to change overnight, but I mean, it's got to start somewhere. I mean, these conversations, if anything, are getting people to voice their opinions and to voice and to be strong. So let's hope. But Thank you, Rana and Susie, for clarifying it. My, 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 just my fears again. It just this whole racism thing will air its ugly head. I know, just over this, and and I just hope that 
you know, people just use their common sense and 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 respectability and empathy and acceptance without understanding and all of those things and words that we all commonly use in our in our group and Joanna yeah we are we always talk about you know issues like this and you know maybe endless roses oh, you know I'm, <laughs> I'm all for it like that I I like that I'm I, I personally like like more steam throw and listening than anything else. And, and when I was listening to Rana speak, not only she speak very eloquently, but it was, yeah, there were things I, I personally come from Argentina. So there were certain things that she was saying that was really getting to me as well. And as she mentioned, I am uh, just as surprised, I think, as everyone else with the numbers and, and the communication that it's been, we've all known for about a year now. And since we didn't, so it was a bit, okay, this isn't news. We've known this. I'm a bit confused as to, you know, the release of information and the timing of it. So, it, yeah. but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping as well that I hope, you know, people take it in and it becomes a call for action and not just, you know, more of the yeah, more of the same. I'm hoping to. And we are heading into the city as, as having this big, huge anti-racism week at the end of the month. So it'll be really interesting um, to learn more and to hear more on, on some of the actions. I think that's a big proponent for that week is to get some written actions and enforce them. But yeah, so I, I, I wanted to um, I, I liked how you put that, uh, Joanna, about, uh, you know, the call to action and and Tracy, you're saying that as well, and Raina, and I, it often we, when we have these conversations, we, we put it to the other people to change. We, we have a way of distancing ourselves and saying the government needs to act, uh, organizations need to act, people need to act. Right here, right now, the only person that needs to act is you. Like that's the only change that we can literally take responsibility for is ourselves and how we approach uh, Indigenous culture, how we approach racism, how we step up and take responsibility for our role within this system. Because to, to distance ourselves and say it's, you know, somebody else needs to fix this is the problem the the it it's we are we are all a part of the problem therefore we can all be part of the solution we can take action steps we can show up more for events um we can show up i know there was an event um on the weekend for black women in business white women can show up for those events and support them in business we often I see this, uh, I've seen this over the past year um, when there's uh, uh, events about, you know, Black women, Indigenous women, or people of color, we kind of go, okay, that's not me. Some of us, well, that's not really me. And uh, it's time to show up and it's time to have uncomfortable conversations and to um, get worked up like Raina like get worked up absolutely this is this is this is important stuff this is life and death stuff and it's time to um you know take risks take risks on social media 
you know, show your politics, show your beliefs, show your values. Yes, you might piss some people off. You know what? Time to learn how to deal with people being angry with you. Let them be mad. You know, let people see who you are and what you value and what you believe in and what you stand for and take a stand. And that's going to um, empower you. It's going to empower the people in your family. It's going to have a ripple effect on our community. And it's, uh, it's something that, yeah, we can, we can take responsibility for right here, right now and say, what can I do? What steps can I take? What actions can I take to, to make some uh, change in our world? So, wow. Anybody want to add to that? I wanted to add that, oh, sorry. Um, it's words matter too. It's the words that we use. And I know that uh, recent, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, there was a country star who used the N word and there was swift backlash against it. Whereas before it might've been, oh, you know, he didn't mean it or, or some ways of excusing it. But now it's, it's out there. Anything that you say is there, there's reaction from people. And it's about time that people said, that's not acceptable. You can't, there are better ways, better words to use, or, or just, we're all humans. We're not one thing or another, you know, when we're more than, than what people see. And, and so it's really important that when we think about the actions that we take, which is, which is very important is what Linda was saying. It's the words that we use and, and the words really matter. Well, and words I would say, on, sorry, I would say Tracy on that, on that note, it will be, like the word that comes to mind is accountability. And that's something that's been, I know it's been discussed in the last couple of weeks with, you know, cancel culture. And it was like, no, it's just accountability. That's, we don't have room for that type of talk. We don't have room for that type of attitude anymore. It's just not. And, again, um, and I think, <clears throat> you know, and again, I think we have to be like, everyone needs to be okay with who they are, number one. Um, and I think that, that, because I know that sometimes, and I'm always like, I have, I, I, I'm at 43. I just don't care. I have nothing to lose. Like I'm, I'm about facts. I'm about figures. I'm about pushing, pushing, pushing to make change. I have nieces. I, I'm, I just don't care at this point. I'm not trying to impress anyone by anything. I just want the truth. Right. Um, and but the one thing is like sometimes I'll get like messages after and then in my head I'm just like you know you're you're sending me a message because you're offended by something that I said and I'm openly telling you that I actually don't care that I offended you because you are not in a position to be offended like you're it's I don't care if you were offended or um, because sometimes like I'm super blunt about racial issues right like I will openly say um, and I'll openly say that, you know, there's like white women, white men have responsibilities in this battle to become one, one, like, let's just all come under the same circle, like under the same arms and try to push the same issues together, right? Because that's the only way this is going to happen, right? This is the only way that the, these changes are going to happen is if we all have those really open conversations, but people get super offended by that, right? Like people get super offended. Um, and for me, like I, I take that offense as um, as almost, you know, of people 
just wanting to say the words um, that make them look good publicly, but actually still really want the status quo. And I think that that's just a big distinguishment there. And I think that that's where um, when we're talking about what the action is, like what the call to action is, right? And I think that that call, you know, Linda, you said it and Joanna, you said it too, right? Like that call to action is really, like I've said, for COVID specific and about that report specific is about recovery. What does COVID recovery look like? Because in those moments, there's going to be governments, policymakers, people across the country asking for input. They're going to be asking for input. They're going to say, okay, how can we do better next time? And then that's all of our job to jump in those conversations and say, well, let's try to make what happened this time not happen again. You know, so we will have those opportunities as time comes up, right? And um, and I know this isn't always political, but it becomes political. Like, let's make this a political issue. You know, let's make Canada's recovery from COVID intersectional, make it a feminist approach, maybe it, make it, you know, make it, um, you know, not anti-Indigenous, not anti-Black lives, not anti-whatever. Like, let's, there's a bunch of stuff that we can say and do in that process. So uh, just to speak to the call to action part, I believe, that's just my opinion, who knows if it's true. I believe that when when it's the recovery, when we start to pivot into a recovery mode, um, and it will be probably when people start talking about federal elections, that's where we need to start voicing our, you know, let's be loud about this, you know, and um, if we can do that during that time, I can guarantee you we can break a lot of the, so those systemic issues, truthfully. Because they're going to, like, they're not going to just listen to one group of people. When you have all of us together, um, it's a very powerful statement. It means you, as my friend, are not willing to accept my oppression. And I, as your friend, will stand by you and walk the same line and be like, we're all in this together. That's really what we're looking for. And I vote Rana for president? No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Mayor? <laughs> Premier? Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So well, now we know when, uh, when that time comes, we can all, we can all write down our, our thoughts and everything like that. Um, I'm going to actually just going to throw it to Robin, just because I always like to put in, don't look so exasperated at me, please. I think it's super hard to follow well, I know people I know. that have talked now. I like. What would you like me to? What What do you want to know? Well, because you know, I always put it and tie it around with mental health. And yeah. not only are we thinking about, you know, the, the what am I trying to say? Because I'm in just hard time. We're not only thinking about, you know, the people that are struggling it's also that this is something that we're all in mental health the whole bubble of mental health it doesn't matter every single one of us mm -hmm. is in it and i think that is another thing that needs to be addressed too as well right look i, I think everything in life has an impact on our mental health mm -hmm. i don't think there's one piece of life that isn't interrelated to like our mental health and how we feel. And so I think, I mean, I put in the chat that we've got to be for everything we do, nothing about us without us. It's not about making a policy without the communities involved, without people, without allies, without like being in there. And 
So it's it's frustrating that we keep not listening to people. We keep as a as a collective. Mm. I mean, I mean, I do it two at times. I think we all do. I we're not perfect. So it it is that place about how do we actually like hear, truly hear what people want and make a difference in that. That will be when the changes happen to be to mental health, when we stop trying to tell everyone else what it should look like mm-hmm. and actually listen to people about what's important to them and the changes that they think will make a difference for them will be the time that like mental health for all occurs. Um, and that's like, I don't think that's gonna happen overnight. And as Linda said, we can do our bit and we can stand, as Rana said, we can stand with others as a collective to, to try and do that systemic advocacy piece. Um, and we just have to keep hanging in there because I think that's the piece. I think sometimes we get exasperated and we're like, oh, it's too hard. And it's too hard not to do it. It's too hard on every single person in the world if we don't stand up and be accountable, stand up for our stuff, stand up with people in our lives um, and go as a collective. So there's my little two cents worth at the end of the day. Oh, yay. Well, and Kristen, you've just been like sitting lovely there in my top box. (laughs) I know. Oh, the conversation today was so good on so many levels. And Robin's right. It's so hard to go after, um, you know, all of what has been said and everyone's added such great things to this conversation. The only thing I wanted to to add is uh, taking it back to mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. As Robin said, mental health is connected to absolutely everything uh, in our world. Uh, Everything we do, every facet of our our life, mental health is uh, connected. And I've had a couple of conversations with parents lately, and I've talked about how physical health is on a spectrum and mental health as well, and that we need to to nurture it. And, you know, it it slides all the time. It's fluid. And I'm surprised at how many parents responded with, wow, I'm really glad you explained that to me. I I never knew that. And it it just is. And um, so, yeah, like everything that's going on in the world, especially now with COVID and the oppression of of so many uh, different cultures, um, and what's happening, how COVID's affecting their communities. And R- Rana, you spoke so well. And Linda as well. I, uh, I, I took some notes, but I can't go over it all. But I'm just sitting back and really enjoying the conversation. Yeah, so I'm good. I'm good over here. <laughs> well, and uh, so Rana had mentioned it too. And, I, and that's what kind of tweaked me too. I'm going to go to Susie because the Filipino community was mentioned in this report, which, you know, I was just like, whoa. You know, because normally, well, and I'm going to say it because I'm Japanese. We all kind of get lumped into the the Asian kind of box. And so, um, but I do recognize, though, that the Filipino community is so important in our healthcare because, you know, they work so hard and they're they're in our homes, they're in our hospitals, they're they're everywhere. Um, you know, I guess I from that community point of view, how do they feel? Or again, is this just lip service? And they keep on working. Well, I think, you know, um, there was a study that came out um, last fall, I want to say towards the end of the year, that talked about how much money Filipinos sent home last year. 
from working. And it's just like, that's what they do. They work hard because they're not just supporting family here, they're supporting family back home. So I think that, um, you know, and I can't speak for the entire Filipino community, obviously, I can only speak from my experience and from what I know, but um, it, it's incumbent that these, these workers, these healthcare, healthcare workers feel protected when they're at work. And we have seen conversations and stories happen where, you know, they're not necessarily feeling that. And then as well, having um, the protocols, you know, um, uh, communicated in, a, in an appropriate fashion to these healthcare workers about what they need to know to keep themselves and their family safe. And I think that, you know, there can be a language barrier, not just with the Filipino community, but with any, you know, other community that lives in our city. And um, it's incumbent upon us to understand that um, communication and literacy is not just an English and a, ver and a written or verbal thing. There was a sign, a um, couple of signs that the mayor's office had put out late last fall talking about how they wanted to use different uh, languages to convey, you know, these uh, fundamentals, as Dr. Rusin would say, to the community at large. And the, the hateful comments that were on that post were just off the charts, right? So I think we really need to look at, um, you know, our leadership taking uh, a leadership role here and moving communication forward and doing what's good for the community, not listening to, you know, racist and bigotry and rhetoric, you know, because that communication, whether it's, you know, visual or written or oral or whatever that might mean can save lives. Mm -hmm. No, so true. No, so well said. Wow. Well, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I you know, I, who can say uh, we can't, but I really enjoy yeah, this conversation. It, it certainly helps me kind of, you know, have a little bit of a clearer path on, on where to go. And I have to say too, it, in all honesty, it, it really is hard to voice your opinion. Um, you know, and especially I don't have the, the and I'm just going to say it, Rana, the guts like Rana. And I mean, Susie to so eloquently sometimes put my personal thoughts out, but um, it does give me clarity and confidence now to when I'm in a conversation, I can speak how I feel. And I think that's the main point. It's not to promote or, I, or on social media, but if I'm in a conversation like I am in here, I feel safe enough to say what I want to say and, and not feel that I'd be judged or ridiculed or then, you know, spun around and taken out of context that I said this. So having said that, please don't quote me on anything. No, <laughs> but no, yeah. All right. Yeah. We all have each other's backs here. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. This session is recorded. We're going to play it across the world, <laughs> Tracy, across the world. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I think, um, I think the only time you should ever be, and I've learned this in politics. I think the only time you should ever be nervous or uncertain about words you're going to say if they're racist, homophobic, or sexist, or if they're not factual. And I don't think anything I've ever said was not factual. So, so there you go. It's the facts and that's <laughs> the facts of life. Problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I want to, you know what, Joanna, thank you so much for joining us. And now you are uh, like a Hugh virtual chat person. You got Zoom link. 
come in every Tuesday at 1130. Um, you know, thank you, you so much for having me. Yeah, I've, I've, I've learned a lot from you ladies and it was a pleasure to meeting and hearing all of you as well. Yeah, no, and I don't know, I can't see Jenny or Linda, so they might have had to run off. But uh, you know what, um, hopefully we'll see Charlotte next week. Yes, Robin, as always. Oh, and we know, you know what, uh, we need to get back Cynthia. We need a update with Cynthia. So maybe Robin, you can uh, get a hold of Cynthia next Tuesday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, so anyways, thank you so, so much. Endless Roses. At the outlet mall, go visit Johanna. Yes, look at those beautiful. I, I think those would brighten up any day. You know, we've got to get through March. Let's figure yeah. out. <laughs> March goes out like a lamb. It came in like a lamb. Let's hope it goes out like a lamb and not a lion. So, <laughs> Anyway, so have a very great Tuesday. Enjoy the weather. And we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye, Tracy. Happy Bye. Tuesday. Bye. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of iLikeHugh.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.